Good evening and welcome to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program, The Remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Wednesday, November 9, 2022. Some individuals doing business in South Sudan say the environment in the country has changed. When I started, I wanted to um, have someone invest in it. And I pitched it to a few people. You know, I told them I have some good ideas um, and I need someone to invest in this. And a senior UN official who visited South Sudan is calling for support. We have uh, recognized uh, a number of positive steps in the uh, implementation of the revitalized peace agreement, but we do also acknowledge that more needs to, to be done. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some business people in South Sudan say the environment in the country has improved over the past few years. South Sudan is ranked 185 among 190 economies with good business atmosphere. That's according to latest World Bank annual ratings. A fashion designer in Juba says... Lack of infrastructure, including electricity and credit facilities, are some of the challenges facing the business community in the country. For VOA News, Juliana Shiapai reports from Juba. Young entrepreneurs in South Sudan, like Alwel Manyangai, says the impact of civil war and the constant struggle of maintaining a business discourage other interested investors from coming to the country to look for opportunities. Alwel says self-confidence is her secret for doing business in South Sudan. Um, rent is quite expensive out there. And um, we also have to look at um, their economy. And our economy at the moment is quite, um, is on the low. And people are prioritizing things like education, health, you know, clothes are the last thing that comes in people's mind. And in as much as it's it's business and it's something that is very important, like, that is needed because every day you need you clothes. clothes. You have to wear clothes every day. You can't just go out. But still, if I have my five outfits, I'd rather just wear those and keep my children in school and to provide for them health services as opposed to, say, you know, buying new ones, you know. Anwell says since she started her new business, many people did not believe in her did they appreciate the fashion industry? It's not a lot of people that want to invest in it. Because when I when I started, I wanted to um, have someone invest in it. And I pitched it to a few people. You know, I told them I have some good ideas um, and I need someone to invest in this. And uh, every time it's just more like, mm, this is not my field. You know, it is not my field. But it's not because it's not that field, really. It's just simply because they're not sure they can make that money back. If they invest in it, they're not sure if, you know, they'll make that money because it's fashion. It's something that is um, something that is very new in the country. Stephen Wani, the chairperson of the Chamber of Commerce in Central Equatorial State, says South Sudan is full of opportunities for business owners. There are a lot of opportunities uh, in South Sudan currently. Uh, is a country that produces less of uh, you know food items and uh, 
and construction uh, materials and a lot of things are, I mean, of items are being imported from abroad. So there is a high chance and easy once you have capital, you can do your business according to what you are projected for. Wani says, protection of investors and traders in South Sudan is the mandate of his office. He says his office is aware of the safety and security of traders and entrepreneurs operating in South Sudan capital, Juba. He is calling on interested investors to visit the country and identify their niches for various business opportunities. To protect traders, we as Chamber of Commerce, we only advocate. We advocate for the rights of traders and the challenges that are facing traders. We advocate for, 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 for those challenges. And if there are issues that are uh, on, on, on government, that uh, government are the one to take you know, uh, measures on it, we'll advocate, we'll tell the government to take measures on it. Like uh, what happened uh, last time in one of the markets called Konyo Konyo, a strike broke out there and some individuals wanted to break shops and those things. So governments, government is the one to intervene on that one. And also there are very small cases whereby some group of people may go and break into the shops and take properties of traders. That one also advise government to be very strict in protecting, you know, the uh, traders' uh, properties. Uh, generally, he says, the future is bright for young entrepreneurs who remain persistent and are able to overcome the various challenges of doing business in South Sudan. He also says there is no business that has no risk involved. The World Bank says a lack of infrastructure, including electricity and credit facilities, are some of the many challenges facing the business community in South Sudan. For VOA News, I'm Juliana Shapai in Juba. United Nations officials in South Sudan are calling for more internal and external support to address the political and humanitarian issues facing the country. The UN officials also say the parties that signed the 2018 peace agreement should implement it. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wood reports from Juba. Jean-Pierre Lacroix, the United Nations Undersecretary General for Peace Operations, who wrapped up a four-day visit to South Sudan today along with another top UN official says the fate of the country depends on political decisions made by the country's leaders and the participation of its citizens. Lakwa says while some progress have been made in implementing security arrangements, such as graduating the country's unified forces, the parties need to do more to fully implement the peace deal. Ultimately, uh, the, the political process is what will finally determine uh, the future of South Sudan. And... Uh, if we are to have a successful political process in this country, this will have to be an inclusive one. Lakwa says political decisions should involve all South Sudanese stakeholders, including youth, women, civil society and local authorities. He reiterated the UN's continued efforts in supporting South Sudan, but stressed that the ultimate solution lies with the people of the country. We have uh, recognized uh, a number of positive steps in the uh, implementation of the revitalized peace agreement, but we do also acknowledge 
that more needs to, to be done. And uh, this is uh, a message that we have conveyed to our South Sudanese interlocutors. Uh, working towards peace uh, in South Sudan is primarily the responsibility of the people of South Sudan, the, uh, the leadership in South Sudan. Lakwa visited South Sudan with the EL Cotene Rotary, the Secretary Cabinet of the Secretary General of the United Nations. The duo's visit was aimed at acquainting themselves with the situation in the country. The two UN diplomats expressed concern over continued intercommunal violence and the humanitarian situation exacerbated by floods. The officials met various stakeholders in the country, including internally displaced persons and members of South Sudan's cabinet. Rata recalls the humanitarian situation of IDPs heartbreaking, saying many of them did not choose to stay in a situation where they lack basic services like food and shelter. He says while donors are stretched with the other global humanitarian crises, such as the war in Ukraine, the international community still needs to stand by South Sudan. There is another theater of activity that requires resourcing on a huge scale. And I think that we should be borne in mind. And uh, we certainly remain committed as the UN. And we will continue to engage with our international partners and partners, including the donors, to ensure that they live up to their commitments to maintain the level of funding that is currently being transmitted to this country because we think it is vitally important that the attention not wander and remain focused on the situation in South Sudan. Rotary says South Sudan and the United Nations have assigned the UN Sustainable Development Cooperation Framework, which covers the period from 2023 to 2025. Much of the implementation of the peace deal remains behind schedule. For VN News, I'm working Simon Wudu in Juba. U.S. voters head to the polls Tuesday to decide control of U.S. Congress. But with the vote counting still going on, many races are still too close to call, and it is still not clear if Democrats will retain their narrow majorities in the House and Senate, or if Republicans will take control. VOA's congressional correspondent Catherine Gibson reports from Georgia. Americans voting on the direction the country will take for the next two years. Choosing if it is time for Republican leadership or if President Joe Biden will continue to have the support of a Democratic Congress. I definitely want to keep the House blue, um, so I made sure to vote uh, Democrat. More than a third of the U.S. Senate was up for re-election this year. Republicans needed to win just one additional seat to overcome Democrats' narrow majority. Democrats had an early loss in Florida where Congresswoman Val Demings... Our democracy, it still matters. ...failed to beat Republican Senator Marco Rubio. When you see the results across this country tonight, that's what it's all about. The people who make this country great have been forgotten... A handful of Senate races still too close to call will determine which party has the majority. 
In Georgia, the vote count is narrowly split between Republican Senate right. candidate Herschel Walker and Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, who reminded supporters of the stakes of this election. Because women and their right to choose is on the ballot. We got to show up tomorrow. An argument that resonated with many female and independent voters in the suburbs. Georgia voter Heather Packer. I am voting for things to stay Democrat, to be honest, just because of uh, all the, uh, the abortion right issues. Um, that's really important to me that a woman still have the right to choose. Um, and um, so that swayed my opinion strongly in the way that I voted. Historically, the party in power loses midterm elections. For some Georgia voters, this election is an opportunity to express their dissatisfaction with Biden. Georgia voter Betsy Nenick. I don't think he's made many of his own decisions. I think he's more of a spokespiece for um, for this far left and special interests. All 435 U.S. House seats were also up for re-election, with Democrats securing some key early wins in the Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C. There were isolated reports of delays in casting and counting ballots, some due to machine malfunction. But overall, the voting around the country ran smoothly. Officials may not be able to finalize results for several more days. Katherine Gibson, VOA News, Atlanta, Georgia. Listening to South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, African countries put a case at COP27 meeting in Egypt. Find out why after the break. and try not to do it again. When I realize that I've done something wrong, but of course I have to make sure that I make a correction out of what I have done. Because sometimes there are things we do them and afterwards you learn from them as such. It depends on the mistake, but most of the time I tend to realize my mistakes and where it is necessary, I apologize. Why should I keep on moving when I've made a mistake? I've made a mistake, I have to apologize. When I've done something wrong, I do admit. At the same time, I choose to move forward with my life. Well, it is hard to admit mistakes, so yeah, usually the first option is to move on and try not to do it again. I think that's my first go-to option. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Leaders from poor countries criticized wealthy governments and oil companies for driving global warming, demanding at Egypt's COP27 climate summit they pay up for damages being inflicted on their economies. Rubens reports. 
I have the honor. Leaders from emerging economies and poorer countries are using their speeches at Egypt's COP27 climate summit on Tuesday to criticize wealthy governments and oil companies for driving global warming, demanding they pay up for damages being inflicted on their economies. Prime Minister of the Bahamas, Philip Davis. The realities of war, economic headwinds, the hangover from the pandemic, and competition among world powers cannot be used as justification not to confront these imminent dangers. Let's get real. It's only going to get worse. Small island states, by increasingly violent ocean storms and rising sea levels, called on oil companies to shell out some of their huge recent profits, while developing African states called for more international funds. President of Rwanda, Paul Kagame. The most valuable contribution that the developed countries can make is to reduce their emissions faster while investing with Africa to build, to build sustainable green power. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa added that the continent needs a predictable, appropriate and at-scale funding stream and technological support. Senegal's President Macky Sall said poor developing countries in Africa would resist calls for an immediate shift from fossil fuels if it is needed to boost their economies. Let's be clear. We are for the climate. We are in favor of reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. But Africa cannot accept that our vital interests are undermined on the matter of the energy transition. The comments reflected the tension in international climate negotiations between rich and poor states. As delegates attended the second full day of the two-week UN conference in Sharm el-Sheikh, scores of other heads of state and government were scheduled to speak on Tuesday, but many of the world's biggest polluters, including the United States, China and India, were not on Tuesday's schedule. Scientists say changes in climate pose challenges to Zambia's ongoing efforts to combat poverty, reduce food insecurity and sustainably manage natural resources. Climate projections in Zambia include increase in temperature and more droughts. Kadishot reports from Lusaka. As the world grapples with climate change, millions of poor people face increasing challenges such as harmful effects on health, food, water and livelihoods. For the past five years, droughts and floods have become common in Zambia. Weather patterns have changed drastically. Edson Nkonde is the acting director for the Zambia Meteorological Department. He says extreme weather conditions are causing havoc in the country. A lot of areas, for example, receiving over 100 millimeters of rainfall in 24 hours which is quite huge because those are some of the amounts, some areas in, in, in southern province receive in a month, and you find that they have received that amount in 24 hours. So the results are flooding, flash floods, damage to, to infrastructure, damage to, to, to dams. One of the biggest drivers of climate change is deforestation, which has reached alarming levels. 
According to a recent Worldwide Fund for Nature report, Zambia has the highest deforestation rate in Africa and is ranked fifth highest globally. Wood fuel or charcoal is used for energy across the country. Gladys Kabwe is one of the many charcoal traders in Lusaka. She argues that this is the only way she can make a living. What has led me to trade in charcoal is hardship in life. I'm keeping five orphans. I'm also keeping my elderly mother and I'm a widow. Linoe Muela is an environmental activist. He emphasizes the need to address environmental problems in Zambia. We need to see more of policies that are empowering communities that, that are dependent on uh, wood fuel, supplying of wood fuel to urban areas. We need to see more policies targeting young people, targeting children on the importance and values of uh, protecting our environment, of planting of trees and so forth. So the most, the biggest thing we need right now is implementation. Policies are there and we've seen a lot of political will. What we need is more champions. Zambian President Hagainde Hichilema says science has shown that the window to save the global environment is closing. For developing and vulnerable countries like Zambia, which is among the least developed countries with multiple challenges, Climate change brings an additional layer of challenges, an additional burden, and aggravates existing ones. Climate change makes it difficult for us to effectively address a number of social economic challenges in order to lift our people from high poverty levels so as to improve their livelihoods. World leaders and diplomats framed the fight against climate change as a battle for human survival during opening speeches at the COP27 climate summit in Egypt on Monday. The United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres declared that a lack of progress so far has the world speeding down a highway to hell. I'm Kathy Short for VOA News in Lusaka, Zambia. Mali's National Human Rights Commission has condemned restrictions on press freedom after authorities suspended one of the country's main TV channels. Action was taken against Joliba TV after it aired an editorial criticizing rising intolerance and attacks on freedom of expression. Reisenberg reports. Mali's National Human Rights Commission released a statement Tuesday expressing concern about the exercise of certain civil and political rights, in particular those relating to freedom of expression and freedom of the press. The statement called on Mali's government to ensure respect for these rights at all times, in all places, and in all circumstances. The commission, which serves an advisory role to the government, also condemned all restrictions or attempts to restrict freedom of expression and the press. Last week, Mali's High Authority of Communication, HAC, suspended one of the country's main news channels, Joliba TV News. The authority accused Joliba TV of serious and repeated breaches and violations of the substantive provisions of the Code of Ethics for Journalism in Mali. Joliba's Director of Information, Mohamed Ataher Halidou, was summoned to HAC in October over an editorial in which he expressed concern about attacks on freedom of expression and democracy by the ruling military government, and in which he called on the HAC to speak on the issue. The HAC accused Halidou of making defamatory remarks and unfounded accusations concerning freedom of expression in Mali and the transitional authorities. 
Halidou has spoken openly about freedom of expression and freedom of the press in Mali, telling VOA News in March that self-censorship was rampant in the Malian media, as journalists feared reprisals from the government. Malian authorities this year have refused to grant accreditation to foreign journalists and detain or targeted several prominent government critics. The HEC was also behind the decision earlier this year to take France 24 and Radio France International off the air in Mali indefinitely, following reports on alleged human rights abuses by Mali's army. Halidou spoke out against the decision at the time, again in a televised editorial, deploring in one of many instances the lack of freedom of expression and press freedom in the country. Joliba TV released a statement last week confirming receipt of the HAC's decision and saying it had already composed an appeal. Maison de la Presse, Malia's main media advocacy organization, also released a short statement saying it regrets the suspension of Joliba TV news and called on the High Authority of Communication to reconsider its decision. Annie Reisenberg for VOA News, Bamako. Mali. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate.
We have been listening to Emmanuel Kembe and the song Celebrate. I'm your host, John Tanza. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.